rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our regularly scheduled Saturday evening get-together. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for joining me. We meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app. I'll take that lower third down so you can look at Francis in the corner. There he is, Francis Jr. Jr. Enjoying the sun. Hello, Francis. Hello. What are you doing? <laughs> he likes the sun. Who doesn't like a nice sun beating down on them? That's what he does. He's very cute. As the sun moves, he'll move with it. All right. Anyway, yeah. Simple things in life, right? If only you can think of just that. We only had to worry about that. I guess that's his his version of getting back to brunch. But he never really has to worry about the fact that the United States is now the least upwardly mobile of all our Western partners. I'll do that worrying for him. And it's not just about worry. Worrying without action is nothing but complaining, frankly. And there's nothing more useless. There's no more useless energy than the energy of complaint, I believe. Because there's nothing behind it. It's a victim mentality. What we do here, we're not complaining. We're taking a... We're taking an inventory. We're assessing what's right, what's wrong, what's working, what's not working. All to get to the goal of having a functioning society that works for more than just billionaires. And in my opinion, there should be nothing. There should be no classification. There should be no billionaires. They shouldn't exist. And I, it just went into my mind again. When, remember during the, de the debates how they're like, should you exist? They asked during the Democratic debate. B Bernie says billionaires shouldn't exist. M Mr. Bloomberg, should you exist? What kind of shitty, stupid question is that? Should you exist? It's not about him. But that's the corporate media for you. That's what they do. It's so, doesn't it seem mean to say to somebody, should you exist? You, personal. let's personalize this whole thing. Let's distill it down to, should Mike Bloomberg exist? Poor Mike Bloomberg. Should he exist? This is about pro-life. We, we're about life. Bloomberg, that's so mean to say you shouldn't exist. No, honey. To say, why should one Mother Effer, oh, even if a, a nice person, why should a nice person have a billion dollars? There's absolutely no reason for it, especially if you want a functioning society. If you want a, a society that sucks where the rich run and rule everything and own everything and control the mechanisms of government and everybody else gets ridden to the bank where people like Mike Bloomberg can attach themselves like a parasite 
onto the body politic and just gloat themselves and bloat themselves. Or not gloat, glut. Well, they gloat too. So, yeah, that's why you don't want billionaires. Should you exist? What a way to frame a question. And it goes to show you exactly what we're up against. And here we are. Thankfully, right now, we were able to do a show. Who knows what will happen if they shut down all of the avenues for average people to have a say. And that's why we ask to become patrons, to become a supporter of liberal media. This is the liberal media. You're looking at it. You're not, we're not talking about MSNBC. We, well, we'll talk about MSNBC, but that's not the liberal media. And if you think that's the liberal media... Stick around, my friends. Stick around. As I said, my name is Tara Devlin, but I want to check in with the the chat people. If you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook watching the show, if you're on Periscope, not Periscope, yeah, Periscope, and what's the other one? Prime. Oh, yeah, no, not Prime. Twitch. Twitch, not Twitch. What's that other one? Twitch is that right-wing thing. It's, uh... What the hell? It's called I don't remember. Who rem oh, who remembers? You know. Um Oh god damn it. What's wrong with me? Amazon it's called maybe it is called Twitch, is it? No. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. That other thing that's run by Amazon. I think it is called Twitch. I'm out of my mind. There's so many cute little names I gotta keep up with. Can hardly keep up with getting out of bed in the morning. But I want to check in with the chat room. So if you're on these other platforms watching the, the show, please come over to our YouTube channel. That's where all the cool people are hanging out. And, yeah, that's where we want you to go. Because you can also do something called the Super Chat. And right now, right out of the gate, we got Mark C. with the Super Chat. Let's get the show off to a great start. You're the best, Tara. Thank you so much. That means the world. Jim Adelberg, always with the super chat. He just says hi. I And I'm like, hi, hi, hi you. Hi to you. High five. Boom, high five. Haiku, of course, our moderator. Missed a few shows moving to a new place, but now I'm back. I'm glad to see that. We were worried about you. Patricia says one day at a time. Absolutely. That's how we got to do it. And Deborah, thank you for the cute little super chat with the guy drinking coffee. And yeah, here we go. I love coffee. It's my only drug left. I've, yeah, that's it. I can't do any other drugs anymore. Not that I haven't tried doing other drugs. I've done it all. I've, uh, I've done it all. Drugs are boring now. You know what I mean? What's exciting, now that I think about it, when I was younger, because I was, I believe, and I was genetically loaded to be an addict because it runs in my family. Not that that's whatever. It is what it is. They, there are studies. They know that if you have parents and grandparents who are who are addicts or alcoholics same thing really then you're you are highly susceptible to having having it yourself and but 
when I was younger, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to like drug addicts. I used to like all uh, celebrities who were drug addicts or people who died of drug overdoses. I thought that they were cool, right? All the, the people who basically didn't know how to live life. I thought I, I related, I admired these people. I'm sorry, I keep hitting the microphone with my hand. That's what you hear if you're listening on the podcast and you hear boom, boom, that's me hitting the microphone. My hands are flail, they flail. I, I, I was raised with Italians, you know. I'm Irish, but I, I grew up on Staten Island. You're either Irish or Italian on Staten Island, so for the most part. Anyway, and now I see that it's not, those people are sad. You know, I love Judy Garland. I always loved Judy. I always had her ever since I was a kid from Wizard of Oz on her, her entire career. I love Judy. I actually, a friend of mine, years ago, my friends and I, we took a ride up to see Judy's grave. It's in uh, Ferncliff Cemetery in high, in high, somewhere in New York, high something New York or whatever. And uh, yeah, I love Judy. Always did, always will. And but now I see how how sad it was. You know, now I like the people I admire in life are those who are living life, the people who show up, who fight, who. Not that we don't make mistakes. Everybody has blind spots and whatnot, but that they show up and they they are present for life. That's the real. Those are courage. Those are people with courage. Those are the people who the 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 people who check out and say "eff it." That's there's nothing admirable about that. It's sad, really. The the people who show up anyway, who speak up anyway, who get involved anyway, those are the people who I really admire, the ones who, and, you know, not the ones, it's so easy to check out. And as you see, it's not just about drug addiction or people who just don't know how to live life who want to check out. Many of us, average Americans, all check out constantly. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with the situation. They don't want to deal with Twitler. Oh, I can't. I got to turn it off. I understand you have to take some mental health days. Sometimes you just got to take a day and tune out. You know? But um, not permanently. Show up anyway. Do it anyway. That's uh, the way I basically I stopped using drugs. I, di I did that anyway. Not every... Every cell in my body was like, go back to what you know. Do, you know, F it. F it. Basically, screw it. Who cares? What's the point? That's, the, and the other part of my brain was like, no, we do it anyway. You get up anyway. And this is what I believe with what's going on now. You do it anyway. You get involved anyway. You speak up anyway. Especially with when it comes to Twitter. I know it's hard. Oh, it's so divided. We're so divided. Our families are divided. Don't you just want to get along? I get it. 
But on some level, hello, we have an obligation to speak up against uh, what's going on. And it's not just Twitler's fault. It's not just Twitler. Let me see. Oh, wait, I'm looking at the chat. I see on Facebook, Hernan from Argentina. Come over to YouTube. I mean, yeah, yeah, YouTube. He runs the Mike Malloy channel. You know where we are on YouTube. We are at youtube.com slash C for channel slash RDT Daily Media. So come on over. Turn on. And all right, what was, I don't know how I got on that rant. It's not a rant. That, I don't know. That's what Tom Hartman says. He calls everything rants. <laughs> And then I did. I said the other day, I hate when he does that. And there I go doing it myself. I hate when he calls it a rant because it's not a rant. You know, it's for real. Rant is a way to dis dismiss it. OK, a couple of things. So here we go. Let's go into what we're talking about. Everything sucks. OK, now that we're all caught up, let's proceed forward. Yeah, um, we have a tax cheating, draft dodging, dictator envy and con man who received fewer votes squatting in the White House and an entire corporate media apparatus around him, propping him up and pretending that he is the president and giving him all the the all the due respect that office should uh, elicit. But um, in in. In that way, we are we're part of the problem. Every the, this corporate media sitting in the White House every single day, turning on a camera, spreading the propaganda of that orange con man who had a fake university and a vitamin scam, who bankrupted his daddy's trust fund six times over that we need to check in with him in the middle of a pandemic. What does the con man have to say as he's pushing his snake oil that's already killed people, people, whatever drug he said, oh yeah, this works. Some couple, one of his, his poor victims found that drug in a fish medicine they had in their cabinet and took it and died. The man died. The woman went into intensive care. That's what happens when you listen to a con man. So why does the corporate media do it? And they, they gave us Twitler to begin with. So you know what's so messed up is that they, it's, it's the whole thing with the, with the DNC and the, you know, I, I, I'm getting emails tw and tweets and things and messages on RDT Daily. Oh, you're not helping. You're, you're not, uh, it's not helping to, to uh, you know, basically the same shit that we hear all the time. That I'm dividing. This is divisive. Um, when we point out the flaws in Joe Biden and the DNC. Don't blame me. They're the ones who picked him. Why? What? What is it? Me? We knew that he has this amazing, this 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 fifty-year career that is entirely problematic everywhere you look, and it's 
and it's not going to get better. So right now, what is really concerning to me, and the reason that we go into this, too, is how do you push Joe Biden? Okay, he's the presumptive nominee. How do you push him where he needs to go? We all know that young people don't buy him. They don't buy his malarkey, quote unquote. I mean, come on. The mal- no malarkey express? What year am I living in? And plus, who is, who's the person that said about millennials, oh, cry me a river, dismissing the, their, their problems, the problems of getting out of college with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, the problems of living in the aftermath of Reaganomics and Clintonomics. Oh, cry me a river? And they're reaching across. Oh, they, they know. You know, what so piss, pisses me off. I keep hearing this. Somebody on Twitter, I mean, it goes over. It's all over Twitter. They're like, so they're, oh, we must form a bridge between the, the, uh, those who supported Biden or whatever and the Bernie bros. I kid you not. The Bernie bros. Why don't you start by stopping to you stop stop using that pejorative the bernie bro meme is a uh, is a divisive russian bot fueled bullshit meme that invisalizes bernie's female and diverse base which bernie has uh, his his base was largely female and largely young and diverse. So F you, the Bernie bro. Someone on Twitter, I will follow back any Bernie bro as long as they say they're going to vote for Biden. Well, you start by, by, stopped by stopping to use that effing Bernie bro, which annoys the shit out of me for so many reasons. For that reason. It's symbolic annihilation. What you're just dismissing. And you know what annoyed the fuck out of me, too? That it was revealed. You know, this is how they reach across the aisle. They, they, they're eager to reach across the aisle with, with to Republicans, right? We keep hearing, oh, I peddle Republican policies because I can get Republicans to vote for me. They, they, we got the studies. They say... Um, we know what happened in 2016, that one in 10 Bernie voter voted for Twitler because I, I keep getting tweeted this, this article from NPR saying that Bernie supporters uh, helped Trump win. That's the headline, that Bernie supporters um, voted for Trump. One in 10 Bernie supporters voted for Trump. But if you actually read the article... It says that they were conservative independents who hated Obama, who hated Clinton, and was, were never going to vote for a goddamn Democrat, especially Hillary. So, in other words, what that article says, so stop tweeting me this article without reading it. Read the goddamn article for, for frick's sake. Well, what it says is that Bernie actually would have won. Bernie is the candidate that gets Republican votes that Republic that that right-wing Democrats say that they can get. They never complain. I never see 
on Twitter, the uh, conservatives complaining that Amy Klobuchar or any of these right-wing Democrats or Joe Biden, how they they all say they can get Republican votes. Why don't we? Why? Why? Where's the complaining then? When we find out that Bernie actually gets right-wing independents to vote for him, that they support him. But they're setting it up already. And what really got under my skin is that, I don't know if you guys saw, that um, right after Bernie conceded, it came out that Hillary staffers all had a, an email came out, somebody leaked it, they were all invited to a Zoom meeting called um, He's Finally Gone Again. Well, that's really how you get together and, re- and unify the party. He's finally gone again because it's nobody's fault. You see, it's like Twitler. Twitler, we went from only he can fix it to it's not my responsibility as quick as uh, the flash, right? But it's the same thing with these right-wing Democrats. They will not take responsibility for the part they played, not only in making Twitler possible, but for losing, losing to him. They laid the groundwork, their policies. And the reason I was thinking, what am I going to talk about on the show? What am I going to call this show? The, The fact is, It's not just Twitler. We either fix the broken system now or we're done. The Hill reports dozens of former staffers from Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign were reportedly invited to a Zoom video call on Wednesday to celebrate Bernie Sanders dropping out. BuzzFeed News reported by Ruby Kramer. Former Clinton staffers invited to bye-bye, Bernard. Are you serious? Bye-bye, Bernard. Nobody campaigned more for Hillary. None, no senator campaigned more for Hillary than Bernard. But it's never enough. We're trying to save this country. We are trying to save the Democratic Party while they jettison the youth vote like, uh, like they're bailing out I don't know what. The banks. It's really unbelievable uh, to be, they're supposed to be smart, right? Do you, don't they have degrees and shit? The, the attacking of Bernie. Okay, here we go. Less than an hour after Bernie Sanders told supporters he was ending his presidential campaign, dozens of staffers who worked for his opponent four years ago received the same mass email, a link to a Zoom video call scheduled for 4 p.m. Invitation to bye-bye, Bernard. The email to former Hillary Clinton staffers read on early Wednesday afternoon, according to screenshots provided by two people. He's finally gone again. Join the celebratory toast if you can, and yes, you can loop, meaning you can invite people. Later on Wednesday, the name of the Zoom call had been changed to a more generic HFA end of primary celebration toast. Isn't that nice? I thought they were supposed to be unifying the party. 
The Democratic operatives who lived through the 2016 joke somewhat bitterly about the primary that never ended, a one-on-one race between two candidates and campaign teams who don't particularly respect one another. By, th- by 3.30 p.m., according to recipients, the call was canceled because I guess it got out. It was rather unseemly. Nobody likes him, Clinton herself had said earlier in a documentary. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. Well, who was the one? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to turn this into um, attacking or relitigating 2016, but this is why I am, in, I am so concerned that we're, we're going to lose that they, they will lose to Twitler again. And I keep getting emails telling me, don't talk about it, don't be divisive. This isn't being divisive. We're trying to help. We're trying to push the, the, the Democratic Party. We're trying to save the Democratic Party from itself, quite frankly. Really, think about this. What happened... A couple of days, well, just as this, I mean, all the days are turning into one big blur. But Twitler has come out. Now, he's, he is hitting Biden, of course, from the left as well as the right. He just came out and said he was going to cancel all student death. De- death. <laughs> not death. He can't do, he's not, I mean, he, maybe he would try, but he's not that powerful. And although he probably thinks he can cancel all death, he hates death. We keep hearing how much, oh, there's going to be a lot of death. But he comes out saying he's going to cancel all student debt. What is Joe Biden's? plan his plan is to he wants wait hold on i'm looking it up let's see it's the same old dlc type subsidy bullshit that we've been enduring for generations why we are in the boat we're in Student announces, uh, oh wait, student. Biden announces new student debt cancellation plan. With Senator Sanders suspending his presidential campaign yesterday, former Vice President Joe Biden is all but the, is all but the Democratic nominee, official Democratic nominee. Now his job is to unite the party, quote unquote, as it takes on President Trump in the general election. Today, Biden announced two new plans in his attempt to do so, one of which is, being, is, is uh, a new student debt cancellation plan. As the coronavirus swept the nation, Biden previously backed Senator Elizabeth Warren's call to cancel a minimum of $10,000 in student debt. He also recently adopted the 2017 version of Senator Sanders' College for All Act that made public colleges and universities tuition-free for families with incomes up to $125,000. And this is what I'm talking about. His new plan goes further and as his high, this is what's going on, this incremental shit. 
just oh wait wait I you didn't like that you didn't like my initial plan about ten thousand dollars now oh here's a little uh something more he just can't wrap his mind around the the remedy that is needed he can't wrap his mind around or neither can anybody in his campaign obviously that everybody in nobody out is the only way his new plan goes further, adds to, to his previous higher education plan that provided a more generous income-based repayment plan, public service loan forgiveness reform, and more. Biden now calls for the forgiveness of student debt for student borrowers with incomes up to $125,000. He adds that the plan would have a phase-out to avoid a cliff. Beyond income limits, Biden's plan is more limited than the broad debt forgiveness proposal from Senator Sanders and Donald F. and Trump. The forgiveness only applies to students who attended public two- and four-year public colleges and universities and private, non-profit, historically black college. I mean, there's all these carve-outs and minority-serving institutions. Additionally, the plan specifies that it only applies to undergraduate tuition-related federal student debt. You see what I'm saying? This is what DLC Democrats do. They keep the broken system intact while throwing a subsidy. That, but we understand that's not good enough. It is not good enough anymore. You've done enough. Your subsidies have effed us enough. We have to, we're in this together or we're not. He's trying to be all things to all people. He wants to please his billionaire benefactors while throwing a bone to the poor and middle, so-called what's left of the middle class, to some people while, while others are left by the wayside. But that's not how it works. That's not how you advance. They have enough money to give to for bankster bailouts, that's for sure, but they don't have enough to bail out students who are drowning in debt. This is the investment in the future. This is our country we're investing in. It's not, you're not just bailing out the youth, you're bailing out us, the entire country. The people who that we send to school today if they come out of school with a skill and they, they don't have to pay this enormous debt to banksters, then they, get, they, they can get established. They can do things. They can buy homes. They can start businesses. They can move out on their own. They can have a life. No, they don't have to be an indentured servant to the banks their entire goddamn life. But we all work for Citibank or, or whatever, or MDMA or whatever the hell. This follows logically with Biden's new higher education plan. He only wants the government to pay for undergraduate tuition in public college, at public colleges and universities. A critique of Sanders' debt cancellation plan has been that he would cancel debt borrowers used to pay for graduate schools, non-tuition living expenses, and tuition at private, non-profit, and for-profit institutions, even though we wouldn't cover those costs going forward. You see what I'm saying? Does your brain hurt yet with all this, all this piecemeal shit? And Bernie Sanders, the other day on some show, I think it was on Chris Hayes, was saying how he, 
the Democrats, they're very good at coming up with 80-point plans. But But really, what we need is everybody in, nobody out. They're really good at coming up with uh, pages and pages of proposals, ideas. You only need um, one idea. Everybody in, nobody out. There's it, period, end of sentence. Cancel all student debt, period. And that's what Twitler's doing. Look at this. Forbes. Trump stops collection of student loan debt from those in default. Donald Trump has stopped the collection of federal student loan debt. Here's what you need to know. At first reported by Politico, Trump has stopped collecting from borrowers who have defaulted on, the, in their, on their federal student loans. That reprieve could impact 9 million student loan borrowers. Not people who make over or under $125,000 or went to public universities. No. The restrictions will retro will be retroactive to March 13th and the last and last until further notice. Can you believe this shit? This is a problem. If we're we're trying to defeat Twitler, why where's the difference? What are we doing? We understand. We know that Trump is a con man. He does not care. The Republicans, they're, they, we know they're full of shit. We know that they have no ideology. They want to destroy democracy. That's basically it. They'll do anything to achieve that goal. If that means becoming uh, or, or uh, proposing liberal policies, they'll do it. They understand. I will not be surprised if Twitler comes out full-throated for Medicare for All. While, while Biden's talking about opening up the exchanges. Isn't that wonderful? It's, not, it's great when everybody has access to health care, access to affordable health care. What does that mean? When, you can't, when, when the American people don't have $400 saved. What is access to affordable health care? When you have a deductible that's $10,000. That's another way of keeping the broken system intact. Unbelievable. Since the coronavirus outbreak, borrowers have been searching for ways to lower their monthly student loan payments. Following Trump's executive action, new congressional legislation known as the CARES Act would grant several benefits to help student loan borrowers manage their money due to coronavirus emergencies. The current benefits would include ability to pause payment on your federal student loans until September 2020. No interest on your student loan payments until September 2020. Ability to count these six months of no federal... Ability to count these six months of no federal student loan payments to count. So they'll they'll count towards your paying off your debt including public loan forgiveness, ability for your employer to pay up to $5,000 of your student loan tax-free. So, um, yeah, 
Are you kidding me? That's what's, this is what we're up against. So when I say, or when I get emails about don't divide the party, who is dividing the party? What does this party stand for? Are they really going all in on this shit? Are they going to go all in on leaving? Or, or I guess the pro- I, I'm not leaving. They're going all in on the professional class, I suppose. The whatever is left of the middle class that is below 50% of the population. Let's see. It's really, we're in big trouble. If this coronavirus, that's, this is the problem. It doesn't seem like Joe Biden understands that, that America is broken. And it's not about reaching across to Bernie or we're bringing Bernie bros into the party. This isn't about Bernie bros. We, the people who've been following Bernie Sanders, we're, we've been following, we're supportive of the, the FDR Democratic Party. And when they turn their back on that party, what is left of the Democratic Party? Where, what is there to support? They have to recognize. I mean, what, uh, what goal to get together and have a party? He, bye-bye Bernard? That's how you unify the party. Because it's always been about us. We have to. We have to help Joe Biden. We'll have to get behind Joe Biden. Is the shoe, if the shoe is on the other foot, you see what happens. Uh, do they have any ability to look at themselves? these DLC Democrats, to, to understand what they did. That neoliberal, the neoliberal Clinton, ex, uh, exti- the continuation of Republican policies, the Reaganomics, Clintonomics, li- neoliberal world that we're living in is the problem that they made, that they helped. That no, you can't, you, uh, that no, you can't be the friend of Wall Street and Main Street. I don't know if you saw that tweet that AOC tweeted. It was a screen grab of CNBC. Let me see. Where it had, it was, you know, that guy, what's his name? That, 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 you know who I'm talking I can't remember his name. That one who's always like ringing the bells and stuff, I, whatever, you know, uh, buy this stock or whatever. He's, it's another one of these CNBC, whatever the hell's, anyway. Oh, Kramer, yeah, yeah. Here's the tweet, or, well, the meme I made of the tweet. It basically... One image that describes the entire failed system. It's this guy, Kramer, in front of... It's a, it's a screen grab from CNBC, where on the monitor it says, the Dow's best week since 1938. And the lower third says, more than 16 million Americans have lost jobs in three weeks. So tell me again, 
how Wall Street and Main Street rise and fall together. How does this, how is this functioning? How is this working? And it's not up to us. They, the, the, the most concerning thing that I've seen to, on top of everything else that concerns me is that right now in the race, Hill, I mean Hillary, Biden and Trump are tied with the youth as a, according to the polls, right? Biden and, and Twitler are tied in the youth. At this point in the race, back in 2016 or whatever, 2015, Hillary and, and uh, Hillary had a 16-point lead on Twitler and in regard to the youth vote. vote. Whoops. Let me hold on. It's pretty, yeah, how millennials. Let's see, Trump, youth, Biden, youth. Mm. Trump, Biden, tied. In a near tie. Here's the, from The Guardian. Washington Post ABC News poll puts former vice president ahead by 49% to 47% among, amongst registered voters. Trump has gained ground on his probable challenger in November's election and is in a near tie with Joe Biden. Think about that. How is this possible in the middle of a pandemic that he sucks? We have mass graves in, in New York thanks to Twitler. Instead of getting prepared for the virus that was coming, Twitler was undermining progress, pretending that everything was great. He, they weren't preparing. They weren't ordering ventilators be built. They weren't replenishing our stockpile. That's why we don't have what we need in the greatest country on earth, the greatest economy that ever lived. It's such a great economy that people miss two paychecks and they're, they're on the food bank line. How much more? This is why I can't take it. How much more are we going to take it, people? I always ask that question. How much longer? How much longer are we going to take it? Unreal. And they keep saying, of course, Twitler is a con man. Oh, this is, economy is great. Economy is strong. So why is Joe Biden throwing subsidies at us like we're, like, like we're begging for a trickle? Do they understand what's going on? What they did? No, they don't. That's the problem. And who the hell is Hillary, her campaign staffers? How dare they? They're so, st are they that dumb? They, they didn't realize that that was going to get out. Are they that stupid? I guess you, it's harder to look at yourself and say, what part did I play making Twitler possible? Just blame Bernie. It's everybody's fault. It's Russia. It's voter suppression. It's Bernie. It's not me, though. It's, not, it's all of the above. They're, and in this way, they're like Twitler. Taking absolutely no responsibility. 
in a, it, but for losing an election, they should have run away with. We understand that the filthy Republicans, they suppress the vote. That's why you got to overwhelm it. But do they even care? Do they even understand? Ultimately, they'll, they'll come out winning either way in the professional class. They'll, if they lose, they fundraise off it. If they win, they fundraise off it. Either way, they win while we keep swirling the drain. How do you say that this is a great economy? I know that's Twiddler. He's a con man. But if, do you really think it's a great economy, middle class Joe? That the best you can do is throw some subsidies at some people in a public college when the American people are drowning in student debt and you want to win their vote. Are you, you're, you're so much more, uh, you're, you're that wed to your ideology. I, you, I guess it's because he grew up or came, to, uh, came of age. Why is this blurry? In a system where that's what you do. You throw subsidies. Everything's blurry. The camera's blurry. Come on, camera. Focus. <sighs> the, and, but that's that day that has passed. Let me see. The day of neoliberal policies is over. Let's see. Here's an article from 2018 from the, from the Week by Ryan Cooper, The Decline of, and Fall of Neoliberalism in the Democratic Party. Let's just read a little bit of it. If Democrats have one thing in common, it's their shared hatred of President Trump. His shocking win over Hillary Clinton and the subsequent madness of his rule have galvanized the party in a way unseen in, a, in at least a decade. Yet their unity and opposition masks a lingering and deep fissure in the party. From the late 80s to 2016, neoliberal ideas held hegemonic sway over the democratic elite. But the economy created by this ideology and the ensuing crisis is a major reason why Clinton lost to Trump and the party is completely out of power today. Hello. Will somebody tell that to Joe Biden? This obvi obvious failure has provided an ideological opening that the American left has been eager to fill. Yet even the left wing is divided about the best way forward. No, we're not. The left wing, we're not divided about the best way forward. We know. It's that we, it's the, it's the dregs of the neoliberal DLC Democratic elite. They're divided. They, they, they're intransient. They are immovable. They don't want to take responsibility. They don't want to look at themselves. It's like James Carville going on MSNBC going, there's no elite. There's no establishment here. After we watched it come to life like the flying monkeys around to collude and conspire to beat down the uppity plebs. Yet even the left wing is divided about the best way forward. Should it follow Elizabeth Warren's lead and promise 
a return to the trust-busting ways of the early 20th century? Well, that's a start. Or should it emulate the more sweeping Nordic style of politics of Bernie Sanders? Or perhaps the Democratic Socialists of America are right, and something is even, even more extreme is needed. What's extreme when you're... When, when the wants and needs of working people have a statistically insignificant effect on government policy, what is extreme? What's extreme when the United States went from the most to the least upwardly mobile in 40 years? Do they, isn't that extreme? To understand neoliberalism, you have to understand where it came from. Neoliberalism is an understanding of the economy that has its roots in the old classical liberal tradition of John Locke, Adam Smith, and David Ricardo. Orthodox capitalism in those days, the long 19th century, from 1789 to 1914, in the words of Eric Hobsbawm, meant property rights, free labor, low taxes, the gold standard, little, little corporate regulation, no unions, and austerity budgets. Such policy did not cause the explosive growth of the Industrial Revolution. In particular, early textile manufacturing depended... Oh, God damn it. The page just moved. Uh, early... Depended... Where the... F Hold on, guys. Depended... Well, for some reason, the the as I was reading, the screen jumped to another page. In particular, early textile manufacturing depended utterly on cheap slave-produced cotton. But the ideology they embedded was a key part of 19th-century political economy. The secret, uh, whatever. We don't want to. Do I want to read this whole fucking thing? Blah, blah, blah. Nations took various roads out of the Great Depression, everyone involved ditching liberal orthodoxy. Deficit spending and abandonment of the gold standard became two key policies in most instances, which had overcome resistance from business. In Germany, fascism removed capitalist objections to full um, employment. By routing all deficit spending into rearmament and keeping labor with political repression and permanent dictatorship in the United States. The replacement ideology was the New Deal. After some initial failed experiments, New Dealers settled on a framework of stimulus, regulation, unionization, progressive taxation, and antitrust. Well, that sounds like a start now. Unions were protected under a legal regime created by the National Labor Relations Act, Taxes on the rich were sharply increased, as we know, to over 90% on the top marginal tax rate. To deliberately prevent the accumulation of vast fortunes. And, hello, to protect democracy. Finally, world trade was managed under the Bretton Woods system. New Dealism did not completely overcome the old orthodoxies in 37. FDR went back to austerity, instantly throwing millions out of work and forcing him to return to spending. Exactly. When will they wake up? You, they see what's going on, but I think it's because, in my opinion, right, I believe they, 
they own, because they have the corporate media, this is why they continue to do what they do. In another time, the American people would understand who, they're, who they were up against. Now, we don't get it. The, I mean, we get it. But many of the American people, many Americans, our fellow Americans, they're still, they think this is normal. They think that this is America. And I wonder, frankly, when they're waving their American flags, when they're having their 4th of July cookouts and celebrations and lighting their fireworks or whatever, or going to their fireworks display, listening to patriotic music, what are they celebrating? What, what, what is America? They have deliberately changed the meaning of the American dream, which used to mean that you can ha- that everyone deserves an equal, a, a not equal, but a decent middle-class life. That the lowest worker, the lowest person on the totem pole deserved a living wage, health care, retirement security. To the CEO, everyone had a seat at the table. They were all valuable. Not that, I mean, it didn't come from because billionaires felt like it. It's because people fought. And the Great Depression, the, the people understood who they were up against. As FDR said, the, what is it, uh, better the occasional faults of a government that lives in a spirit of charity than the constant omissions of a government caught in the ice of its own indifference. That's, that was the philosophy. If it didn't work, they try something else. But the point was to get the working class on their feet. You built a democracy, not just an economy. You built a democracy from the ground up. And we used to understand that. The American people understood that you can't have concentrated wealth and democracy at the same time. Now it's like, oh, Mr. Bloomberg, should you exist? The corporate media comes out dismissively asking such a, such a framed, pointed question. Should you exist? Of course, in the decency of your heart, you think, oh, that's so mean. Should somebody exist? It's not about Mike Bloomberg. What I really wish Bernie would have done when he had these platforms, a lot of times I wish he would have, he needed to frame everything as patriotic imperatives. It's not just that other countries can do it. It's not that, you know, uh, that it's a nice thing to do, to have universal health care, higher education, living wages, retirement security, sick leave. It's because it's a patriotic imperative. You can't have a functioning democracy and a, a donor class. This is how it has to be framed. I wish, honestly, and I, I think I told you that story when I, ran, I went to a town hall and uh, one of these, what the guy, what's that guy's name? New York's uh, New York representative, not um, you know the short guy. I can't remember his name now. Whatever names are escaping me today. 
uh, not Chuck Schumer. He's a senator. Let me see. Anyway, he it'll come to me. And when I stop thinking about it, I I told him Jerry Nadler. Hello, you see. That's see what I'm saying, brain. Um, I told him I waited for him outside of the the town hall. It was about healthcare. It was when they were coming after when Twitler was coming after the Affordable Care Act, of course. And I said to him, you have to frame these things as patriotic imperatives. You can't just say, oh, it's a nice thing to do. You have to frame it as leaving no one behind, leaving no one behind on the battlefield. We don't leave them behind on the battlefield of war. We don't leave them behind without health care, on the battlefield of uh, their whatever, of illness. I'm getting distracted now because they're, they're applauding outside. Wee! Hello! Yay! I wish that instead of the applause every, every goddamn day, we would maybe get together. The, maybe the applause would trigger the, I don't know, knowledge that the American people are now the working class or the middle class is now below 50% of the population, something like that, something effective, something effectively that uh, pisses people off enough to do something about it. Not just, oh, thank you. Thank you. I guess I'm very, I'm just cynical. I think that the applause, it's, it's tedious to me. Okay, let's start with the applause and do something. What are you going to do? Do you want to get back to lunch or brunch? Or do you want to... Oh, yay. Woo, woo. Great. You're all applauding. Do you know that EMS first responders start at 16 effing dollars an hour? That's good enough? And that's why they can't get people to stay in that profession. That most of the people leave. They, they, they say, F this. I can't afford, I can't afford to live on $16 an hour. Right, exactly, on the chat, Jim. The applause are like thoughts and prayers. It really is. You start with the applause, but where? Where are we going? Uh, is the applause gonna die down and we're just gonna get back to normal? Because now's the time. Now's the time to strike. Now's the time to get together and understand that we're in this together. We're either in this together or we're not. Wall Street and Main Street do not rise and fall together, as that graphic shows. 16 million unemployment claims and then uh, greatest Wall Street comeback since 1939. Are you kidding me? Biden's coming out with his piecemeal bullshit again. Lowering the Medicare age to 60. Oh, whoopee. Come on. This is why I say, please become a patron. Please support the liberal media. We're the voice of the working class. You're looking at it. Unfortunately, I'm on here saying, please become a patron so we can actually have a show. While Stephanie Rule and AM Joy, the, the liberal media is on there doing nothing. Having body language experts on to say Bernie Sanders is lying. This is what we're up against. Whatever. Guys, please become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. Also, I'm going to be on Monday. I'm going to be on Bob Kincaid at 6 p.m. on the Head On Radio Network. I'm going to join Bob 
but I also earlier in the day I'm gonna be on I'm gonna be on the Leslie Marshall show, but she's not gonna be hosting. It'll be Brad Bannon. So that's Monday as well at three thirty three to three fifty eight. They really got it down to the minute. Uh, this is why I'm I'm so annoyed at life. All right. We're in big trouble. You know, I saw a meme that said, and I, I kind of agree, it said, um, if Joe Biden shot Donald Trump on Fifth Avenue, I'd still vote for him. Yeah, I'm voting for Biden. Um, I will hold my nose and vote for him, even though he's a neoliberal. He's part of the problem. Yeah, but when you're in a hole, stop digging as... I say it's the truth. I would rather not have to worry about fighting fascism. I would much rather fight the neoliberals in this party. Yeah, I, I, I'm of two minds in a lot of ways. I remember once I was talking to Sam Cedar about this at one of the Malloy gatherings, and I was saying that when Obama put Social Security on the table, the only thing that stopped him that stopped us from having a privatized piece of social security that's what he was doing a little bit a little piece but that's how you chip it death by a thousand cuts i said a republican would not be able to get away with that the democrats would fight him or her and it would probably be a him tooth and nail but a democrat putting social security on the table is actually more concerning because they could actually do it they could get they, they could undermine Social Security that way or Medicare or any of our programs. They, that they, that these neoliberals in the Democratic Party call our sacred cows. Sacred cows? What are you doing? our sacred cow? Obviously, even right-wingers like their Social Security. They like their Socialist Security and their Socialist Medicare. So much so that the Republicans have to pretend to be their defenders. What do you mean sacred cows? This is a vital part of having a functioning society, of having a functioning democracy, is Social Security, is Medicare, keeping millions of people out of poverty still. What do you mean I'm willing to sacrifice our sacred cows? That's this kind of shit that pisses me off. Well, they need to get out of the ivory tower. and. So what I was saying to, said that to Sam Cedar, I said, in a lot of ways, I feel like it's almost, they're a little, they're more dangerous in many ways, putting Social Security on the table. The point is, that's why we have to stay awake and active and not let them, not just go back to brunch when the neoliberals are in charge. We have to be even more diligent. Thank you, Shannon, for the super chat. In spite of everything, in spite of the, the show, tonight all of the technical difficulties yes we lost viewers sin city i guess people you know there's maybe they don't like me i'll choose to take it personally maybe they don't like the stream they don't like me what can you do you do it anyway so all right here's something that annoyed the hell out of me well there's many things i was watching the liberal media oh here's something that's good i don't know if you saw this let's play this this is a good one and it's what we're talking about for those who are listening on the podcast, this is, I'll rewind it. His name is Chemayath. I know I'm butchering this name. Pala Hapai. Yeah. All right. Please forgive me. 
He is one of the original founders of Facebook. He's a billionaire. And he he sounds like a Bernie bro, right? He sounds like one of us. He sounds like a he sounds like a Democrat, an FDR Democrat. Talking about how and he has the people on CNBC bugging out. They don't know what to do. What to what this is not the crying billionaire. Remember that guy who went on there crying because Elizabeth Warren wanted to tax him? And he, he's just, he couldn't believe his, his poor little heart was hurt. He's a good person, you know? And not that, who says he's good people or not? Doesn't mean that you're not exploiting a broken-ass system. It's not that, doesn't mean you're not a tick. Sucking our body politic dry, but... So he, he says exactly what needs to happen. This is the time to re- make a reset. Get rid of billionaires. Let them fail because they are useless. There's nothing. They don't deserve to, uh, to be sitting in the catbird seat of power lording over our system. And it's great. Listen to this. Popping up zombie companies. Are, are, you, are you arguing to let airlines, for example, fail? Mm-hmm. Yes. Why? I mean, how, why? Oh, how why? does that make it's, sense in see, the broader scale? It's not about the airlines. And you know what they're going to do? They're, he's going to twist it into, what about the employees? What about the, the average 401k shareholder? And we all know that person is slim, a, a, a small margin. The majority of stockholders are hedge funds. The 1%. But that's why the Republican Party undid the guaranteed pension programs and switched, wanted the United States to switch to 401ks because they wanted to get the average moron, the average working stiff into the market. So we would all say, oh, look at your 401ks. Look at we're all in the market. Main Street and Wall Street rises and falls together. Well, you better hope when you're about to retire that you are lucky enough to be born on the right side of Reaganomics, that you're in an upturn instead of a downturn. Or you better hope that your, that your money manager has a good heart because he has no fiduciary responsibility to your retirement. Which means he doesn't have the he doesn't have to care whether you make money with him or not. So, th- because that's what they do. That's what Trump did. He one that was actually the second thing he did. He undid first thing he did was he allowed when he got into the, the when he started squatting in the Oval Office is he allowed corporations to pollute coal ash into our waters. And the second thing he did was he he made it so financial managers didn't have to have a fiduciary responsibility to their clients so let's listen to him of, of the economy because it's not because when you look at what it means this is why i'm saying like this is a lie that's been purported by wall street when a company fails it does not fire their employees it goes through a packaged bankruptcy right if anything what happens is the people who have the pensions inside those companies, the employees of these companies, end up owning more of the company. The people that get wiped out are the speculators mm-hmm. that own the unsecured tranches of debt 
for the folks that own the equity. And by the way, those are the rules of the game. That's right, because these are the people that purport to be the most sophisticated investors in the world. They deserve to get wiped out. Absolutely. He makes so much sense. These are supposed to be the most sophisticated investors in the world. Take take their risk. Remember, how? Uh, what about risk? Risk and reward. There's no risk for these people. We're, it's like going to a casino We're, and uh, having the American taxpayer back your losings, and you get to take your winnings home. So you come out ahead no matter what. That's the way it is in this economy. So he's 100% correct saying that government should let billionaires fail. Let them get wiped out. These don't get wiped out. The pensions don't typically get wiped out. Why does anybody, I just don't understand, why does anybody deserve, using your word, to get wiped out from... Oh, poor babies. Poor boo-boos. Poor little boo-boos. That's what it is. It's like... Mr. Bloomberg, do you deserve to exist? Why does anyone? These are the same people that don't give a shit that the American people don't have $400 savings. These are the same people that don't care that 35,000 Americans needlessly die every year without health care. Needlessly die because they delay health care or lack of care. The same people who don't care about medical bankruptcies. Millions of Americans declaring medical bankruptcy. Is there nothing more disgusting than that? And this guy, cry me a river. Why should anyone get wiped out? That's horrible. Bankruptcy, right? If anything, what happens is the people who have the pensions inside those companies, the employees of these companies, end up owning more of the company. The people that get wiped out are the speculators that own the unsecured tranches of debt or the folks that own the equity. And by the way, those are the rules of the game. That's right, because these are the people that purport to be the most sophisticated investors in the world. They deserve to get wiped out. But the employees don't get wiped out. The pensions don't typically get wiped out. Why does anybody, I just don't understand, why does anybody deserve, (laughs) using your word, to get wiped out? from a, a, a crisis created like, like this. Why does anyone deserve... Do you think this guy, if we could ever search the archives of CNBC, would we ever find a clip of this guy being so concerned about Americans who are living check to check, about the one-third who cannot retire? One-third of, pe- of the American people who can't retire, who probably worked at companies like the ones that this guy is so, uh, the, that are run by the billionaires that this guy is so concerned about. There are, how many billionaires on earth? I know I've looked this up before. How many billionaires? I think it's like 1,500. It's a low amount. How many? I forget. Oh, yeah, 2,100, not 15. 20, 2,153 billionaires. The whole world should spin on the access of 2,153 people? I don't think so. But you'll never see this guy, the CNBC pundit, going having any concern about the American people who can't retire. Or let's say those who are on GoFundMe now, 
looking for some kind of hope, hope that their illness, like Queen for a Day, gets recognized, and their illness, their the holes enough heartstrings that they can get some funding for their health. You know, now in this this great economy, such a great economy, and it's going to come roaring back to life, as Twitler says. Such a great economy that there are that there are millions of Americans right now online for a food banks for food banks all over the country, miles long. You know, we only missed one or two paychecks. What's up with that? With the great economy. And and trust me, these dum dums. A lot of the, there's a lot of dum dums on that line. Because they're going to vote for Twitler. They will. Because they think, well, you know, um, nobody really cares. They don't care about me. My job, they shipped overseas. Whatever. My daddy's job got shipped overseas, and I've been working the gig economy ever since. What kind of shit is that? The gig economy. Are you kidding me? What is the reason for an economy? What's the point? You know, it really comes down to what is the meaning of life? We're here. We share this little blip of time together. The meaning of life, it's not so we, we can ha- have a couple of people have it all and so many have nothing or next to nothing hanging by a thread. That's not it. That's not why you have an economy. It's about, we need to change the paradigm in our minds. Uh, And especially Democrats, so-called Democrats. We're the Democrats. But I talk about, when I say so-called Democrats, I'm talking about the Clintons and the Bidens and the DLCers, the Klobuchar's. You know, um, let's remind them again. The only reason FDR didn't get elected a fifth time was because he was dead. He won every single state, except one, I think. Let me see, FDR. I think he lost one state. Yeah, Roosevelt carried every state except Maine and Vermont which cast uh, eight electoral votes. (laughs) Roosevelt received 98.49 of the electoral vote, which remains the highest percentage of the electoral vote won by any candidate since 1820. Would somebody give that memo to Joe Biden, please? How about Hillary Clinton? Bye-bye, Bernard. Bye-bye, Bernard. Really? Are you kidding me? How how does anybody deserve to get wiped out? Well, but but just be clear, like, who are we talking about? We're talking about a hedge fund that serves a bunch of billionaire family offices? Who cares? Let them get wiped out. Who cares? (laughs) They don't get to summer in the Hamptons? Who cares? Yes! He sounds like me! That sounds like a clip from Tarabuster. Are you kidding me? Right? It does. Who cares? 
Let them get wiped out. They'll be fine. They'll be okay. They're, they're not going to have to, I don't know, move in with mama. Fund that serves a bunch of billionaire family offices. Who cares? <laughs> Let them get wiped out. Yes! Who cares? If they don't get the summer in the Hamptons, who cares? And if this was Bernie going on a show or anyone, AOC, anyone else, this, there would be right wingers would be going all over it. Oh, communism, anti American. That they can't say anything because this is a billionaire. This is a rich person. One of them. They, he has the, uh, he's got the standing to say something about it. I mean, there are people, you, you don't think the, the guy's employees, son, you don't think the employees of these companies people, own stocks? I mean, the, own their see? stocks, own the company's stocks? Listen. You can, you can look on Bloomberg and you can see what percentage of these companies are typically owned by. These, these things are owned by BlackRock. These things are owned by these huge, you know, amorphous organizations, ultimately downstream. And the employee owns a few hundred dollars or a few yes. thousand, thousand dollars of shares. I just don't understand. So this is, like, is a, a, can, like a natural disaster. And why does anybody deserve to get wiped uh, out? Wouldn't that be immoral in and of itself? No, because what's happening right now is what I'll tell you is <laughs> on Main Poor Street baby. today, people are getting wiped out. And yep. right now, rich CEOs are not. Boards that had horrible governance are not. Hedge funds are not. People are. Six million people just this week alone basically saying, holy mackerel, I don't know how I'm going to make pay, you know my own expenses for the next few weeks, days, months. So... It's happening today to individual Americans. And what we've done is disproportionately prop up and protect, you know, poor performing CEOs, companies and boards. Yeah. And you have to Hello. watch these people out. They, you see, they don't even know how to respond to him. He'll never be on that show again. Absolutely. But all of a sudden, there's such humanitarians. How does anyone deserve to be wiped out? How about we wipe out the ones who are parasites, sucking on our body politics, sucking on our miseries? You never hear it. You notice there's a good show, actually, on, I don't know if you see, if you've watched Frontline PBS, of course you probably have. There's one of their shows that they, one of their documentaries, it's called The Divided States of America. And it's uh, really good. It, it reminds, uh, unfortunately, we know that right-wingers aren't watching it, but it's all about the Obama coming into office and the Republicans building up their outrage machine. And it's truly an outrage machine du jour because they don't say a goddamn thing. Where is the how we're going to pay for it? You know, in this Frontline documentary, it talks about the caucus room conspiracy as it's come to be known. Why isn't this all over right-winger news? You know, this is the same right-wing that gets mobilized. They send, well, they don't send, you know, they, 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 some nut job goes crazy and goes to a pizzeria thinking there's a conspiracy, a pedophile ring run out of the basement of a pizzeria by Hillary Clinton or whatever, the same, the conspiratorial right, they don't, they, they don't see the conspiracy right in front of their face, which is the conspiracy of, uh, against democracy. The same Republicans who are right now c calling for 
well, saying, just calling for money. Money from heaven for all, everyone. Everyone gets, you get money, I get money. We all get, look under your chair. There's a bailout coming. But, I mean, whatever, if it comes or not. But that's what they're all calling for. But then none of them are saying, how are you going to pay for it? Meanwhile, in when we had the second near Republican Great Depression, the Republican Great Recession, and as they had promised each other in the caucus room conspiracy, the night of Obama's election, the Republicans all got together to commiserate, and they said that they were going to, this is how they're going to go through this. Uh, they saw, they saw the um, amount of people at Obama's inauguration. They, they felt defeated that they would be in the wilderness for generations. They saw how many people that there were. It was a sea of people from the from the the uh, from the grandstand to all the way down to the Lincoln Memorial, Washington Memorial, and they were very demoralized. So they got together and they came up with a plan with Newt Gingrich, that that wasted, disgusting, another. An- another person who I often think in, in history's terms, when I imagine myself or imagine, I'm not going to be there, but in, in the future, when they look back, how are, you gonna, how are they going to remember a Newt Gingrich? You know what I mean? Getting together, admitting, and it's at, right out in the open that they're going to block Obama from doing anything. To cause the American people political pain, this is what they were doing in order to improve their electoral chances. So they got together. No matter what he was going to propose, no matter what he wanted to do, Republicans were going to stop it. The caucus room conspiracy, it it comes to be known because they met at a restaurant called the caucus room. And that's a conspiracy right there. They got together and said, we're going to do nothing we will stop him. Meaning, meanwhile, the Republican people, I mean the Republic, the American people are hanging by a thread. So they are, they got together to make the American people feel more pain so it would work, it would help them in the election, so it would help Republicans. Fuck the American people. F the United States of America. F the grand experiment. They wanted to destroy this country. And that is what they've been doing from the, uh, from, from the day, I don't know, they stepped into the political realm. I mean, because really, what is that's what they do. That's what Republicans do. They're not here to make things work, as you see. It's not about really helping someone. If hell, if that happens by the by chance, all the better. But they're they're there to blow bullshit, to blow smoke up people's asses. And they got the they got the greatest con man. Of course, this was inevitable. Absolutely inevitable to have a Tax cheating, draft dodging, con man, dictator, envy, and con man. Of course, it's all led to this. What do you think Sarah Palin was? The same Republicans who are now never Trumpers, decrying 
Donald Trump, uh, everything that Trump touches dies, like Rick Wilson, that guy voted. Voted for John McCain and Sarah Palin. So what are you talking about? These people brought us here. They helped. And what was and what was Obama doing? He was peddling, he was pushing Republican policies. He was spoon-feeding them their wish list, putting social security on the table. That's how committed they were to destroying this country and getting power for themselves because ultimately they want power to dismantle democracy. That's the end game here. We'll still have elections. It'll, we'll still go through the pantomime of democracy. But ultimately, it is about entrenching power, keeping people down, keeping people in their place. The more divided we are, the better. That's how you win. Divide and conquer. So the same conspiracy theorists don't give a shit about the actual conspiracies actually going on that are admitted to. Newt Gingrich says that's his job, to be the opposition. He thinks that's okay. That's how he does it. That's how they do it. That's how Republicans roll. But they have absolutely no obligation to the American people. Now, that because they have a president, so-called Trump, a so-called President Trump, and a and a Senate majority, that's why they're so, this amnesia about how you're going to pay for it doesn't enter the equation. And because Democrats, even right-wing Democrats, that's why I think there's more hope pushing them than there is fascism, fighting fascism, but... Even the uh, right, the right wing Democrats, they they don't play like that. They believe that government can be a force for good. That government has a role. Of course it does. That's what we do as human beings. We get together in government where and and try to live amongst each other with each other. But Republicans, conservatives, they don't want to live. They don't want the American people to live with each other in peace and harmony. They want us at each other's throats. All the better. If, trust me on this, if there was a Democrat in the Oval Office right now, the Republicans would be screaming, how are we going to pay for it? We know that. They wouldn't be all, uh, they wouldn't be at all calling for unity. No way. So here's an interesting article from Common Dreams called How Are We Going to Pay for It? We will either have democratic socialism or we will continue to socialize suffering. By Dan Brooke. Whenever anyone proposes a policy that would benefit ordinary Americans, we are met with a negative chorus of how are we going to pay for it? Medicare for all. Green New Deal, universal housing, universal child care and preschool, universal food, tuition-free higher education, student medical debt cancellation, a job guarantee, 
a living wage, paid parental leave, paid sick leave, expanded social security, basic income, high-speed rail, free public transportation, national Wi-Fi. How are we going to pay for it? Is often asserted as, a, as an aggressive statement to shut down the idea than as a genuine question. Seeking information. No, it's exactly. Even though many of these policies have been enacted elsewhere, the question seems to be far fear-based, greed-based, an ideological hammer. During the economic downturn and expected global recession coming with the COVID-19 pandemic, the U.S. government and Federal Reserve Bank are considering or are already implementing slashing interest rates lower tax rates, tax deferrals, bank, airline, cruise, and other cooperative bailouts, huge loans, equity stakes, dramatically increased financial liquidity, direct payments to Americans, forcing companies to produce certain items under the Defense Production Act, a 60-day pause on foreclosures and evictions, prohibiting substantial price hikes, free testing for the coronavirus, and so on. Trillions of dollars will be spent. We also see federal, state, and local governments ordering the shutdown of travel, many businesses, schools, parks, other non-essential activities, and events to slow the spread of the virus while rolling back regulations on corporations. Interestingly, no one is defending, let alone praising, the so-called free market. No one is championing, championing, I can't talk, libertarian laissez-faire ideas. And this is what I said immediately. Remember when this first started? Where's all the free market ideas? Where? It's all socialism. Everybody gets socialism now. If they worked, then they would work. You see what I mean? Because they don't work. They don't. What we need is democratic socialism, leaving no one behind. What kind of society do we want to live in? One where the rich run everything and everybody knows their place? That's what, you know, that's what they want. But if laissez-faire free market worked then we would have these laissez-faire free market ideas coming to the rescue. But that's not what works. We understand that. It's We understand that. It's about time others understand that. The fake Democrats understand that. The ones who want to get back to brunch, they need to understand that. <sighs> and the Republicans... To be sure, no one is asking how we will pay for it. Instead, massive government involvement and intervention in the economy is steamrolling ahead at a remarkably quick pace, and seemingly everyone wants a piece of the action. American ideology, regardless, regarding the free market, being self-made, self-reliance, self-sufficiency, and individualism, have largely been myth mythology and hypocrisy. Crises tend to make that abundantly clear. 
And for what it's worth, Horatio Alger, the original Rags to Riches success story, was fictional. Even without a crisis, the question, how are we going to pay for it, is typically unmasked when it comes to the bloated military budget and the military-industrial complex. American imperialist wars, the drone program, the CIA, NSA, ICE, prisons, the detention and detention centers, both public and private, and other aspects of the coercive apparatus of state. We also don't ask how are we going to pay for it when it comes to the billions of corporate welfare dollars and other forms of welfare, of welfare, excuse me, the uh, wealthy, the U.S. regularly doles out for the affluent. Likewise, when the Republicans cut taxes on the wealthy, when Trump runs trillion-dollar deficits, or when the Republicans balloon our national debt to over $23 trillion, or about $70,000 in debt for every American. That's what we owe to the Trump, to Trump for all of his tax giveaways to the 1%. It's never been about whether the U.S. could afford a progressive program. It has always been about whether the elite wanted to or were forced to fund it. It is an issue of political will, apparently not economic means. Of course. It has never been about whether the U.S. could afford a progressive program. I just said that. Duh. And these are the financial costs. How do we pay for what has been lost? What has been squandered? What has been ruined beyond repair? And, and what has gone extinct that will never recover? How do we pay for the unnecessary suffering, the shorthand, the shortened lives and lost lives? The productivity and creativity squandered, the shattered dreams, the tears. How do we pay for what could have been and what will never be? If there's one thing that history teaches us, Naomi Klein, the author of The Shock Doctrine, reminds us, it's that moments of shock are profoundly volatile. We either lose a whole lot of ground, get fleeced by the elites, and pay for the price for decades, or we win progressive victories that seem impossible just a few weeks earlier. Which path will we choose now? In the meantime, socialism for the rich remains normalized, while socialism for the majority remains demonized. But here's the thing. We will either have a democratic social... We will either have democratic socialism or we will continue to socialize suffering if we do not choose wisely we will surely pay for it we will all surely pay for it and i just added that but yeah um isn't that striking how we we don't hear how are you gonna pay for it let me just I'm looking at the time. I know. I'm going I'm going to go over a little bit because of all of the screw-ups. I have to make the show 2 hours for Progressive Voices, but I want to cut out all of the f-ups. So I need a little buffer. So the other thing I remembered while I was reading that I forgot. We'll do this probably during the week. I'll do another show during the week, at least one. But I wanted to read I didn't read the patrons. I'm really sorry. Again, 
I will read the list of patrons. So thank you and supporters for all your support and understanding. And if you want one of the keep calm and join the resistance window clings that I give away to the patrons, you got to send me your address. I, I reach out and say, please send me your address. And then I don't hear a response. So I don't have your address on Patreon. You just, uh, I just see your email address. I don't see your address. So, um, the, uh, the other thing is the, I promised during the last show that I want, there was this thing, uh, Joe, Jill Biden has a book for kids called something about, I don't know, something about war. It could, and I was gonna, we were going to talk about it. It's funny. I wanted to, uh, we'll do that in the next show. So, um, what address, if you want a keep calm and join the resistance window cling, you can send me your address for if you're a patron you know what i mean or if you're if you just want one i guess right i encourage it for patrons because you gotta you know say thank you if i just give them away to everybody and those who donate more get you know you can get a mug you can get a shirt Stuff like that. But you guys donate all the time. You're here all the time. I wish I could give you all everything. Okay. Look at this. Hundreds of cars waiting to receive food. Let me see if I can show you what I'm looking at here. Let's see. Look at that shit. This is a line of people waiting for a food bank. Collection begins at noon. Wait to receive food from the Greater Community Food Bank. Let's see. Greater Pittsburgh. Unbelievable. Well, there's your great economy. That's why I ask everyone to become a patron. How else do we know these stories? Listen, what was on corporate media today. I just had to grab this because it was so stupid. I couldn't believe it. Let me see. Here we go. So let me take you through every parent's nightmare scenario. My five-year-old walks up to me and goes, Dad, what's coronavirus? <laughs> What do I do? Are so you let kidding me take me? you through every parent's nightmare scenario. My five-year-old walks up to me and goes, Dad, what's coronavirus? What do I do? Are you that much of a dum-dum? What do I do? Dad, what's coronavirus? What do you do? Shut the... Are you have a five-year-old? You're a parent? This is what's on the corporate media. Useless. So let me take you through every parent's nightmare scenario. Every parent's nightmare scenario? Dad, what's the coronavirus? I can think of a lot more nightmares in a parent's nightmare scenario. If that's your nightmare scenario, you should really be happy. You should thank your lucky stars. 
that you have such a cushy ass life that you're so deluded that you think that's a nightmare scenario how about all those people waiting in line at the food bank what's a coronavirus a five-year-old walks up to me and goes every parent's nightmare scenario i never i don't understand why is that a nightmare scenario everyone's gonna have to tell their kid there's a coronavirus I mean, it's a virus, just like the flu, whatever. It's being, it's spread by people in contact and people are sick and dying and we don't want to get it. And that's what's going on. That's so hard to explain that you need a whole segment on corporate media. Meanwhile, there are in all town, every town in the United States, there's food banks with miles and miles and miles of Americans and others on waiting for food in the greatest economy on earth. And this is what they're talking about on corporate media in between plopping a camera in front of Twitler and letting him rip with his lies and then spending the rest of the day talking about it. They got this? So let me take you through every parent's nightmare scenario. My five-year-old walks up to me and goes, Dad, what's coronavirus? <laughs> Is that a nightmare? I don't know. I saw that and I got, I, I, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Dad, what's a coronavirus? That's a nightmare scenario? This is why we're in this, the state that we're in, really. While the American people cannot uh, save for retirement, the American people don't have enough money to go to a goddamn doctor. All of this. Uh, if we lived in a different world where we didn't have a concentration of corporate media, we might, the American people might have that, have a clue. And they might not think because it's them. That's the thing. They'll think that's the way that they, that the, uh, the establishment wants us all to believe that no, it's not the system, it's you. But if you start putting it together that, hey, holy shit, there's a lot of people here on this line, on this miles-long line to get food, who, met, who missed two paychecks, and now we're on the, a line at a food bank for miles and miles and miles. We got to wait here all day, and the goddamn thing isn't open yet? And there, and this guy's every parent's nightmare scenario. Dad, what's a coronavirus? Are you kidding me? Come on. This is why I say, please become a patron. Support the liberal media. Maybe in a, in a world that functions, in a democracy that functions, we would, we would all understand that it's not, no, no, honey, it's not you. You on the, on the line waiting for food at the food bank after missing two paychecks or whatever in the gig economy? It's not you. Look to your left. Look to your right. Look behind you and in front of you. It's not you. It's the system. The system is broken. And it's time. Take, take a look around. There's more of us than there are of them. But they have us all deluded and divided. 
and fighting amongst each other about bullshit. And the corporate media, are you serious? That guy gets paid how much money? He's not on there going, please become a patron. He's not counting the super chats. He's not saying, oh, oh please become a patron. Uh, thank you for your super chat. No, he's getting paid buku bucks to sit up there and distract for nothing. Do nothing. Add nothing to the conversation while the American people are fall lower and lower on the ladder. Unbelievable. Oh, here's what Trump had to say about the, the unemployed. Unemployment over the past three weeks. It's Good Friday. It's payday. We are seeing troubling, paralyzing lines at food banks around the country. What do you say to those Americans in need right this moment? Uh, number one, I love them. Number two, we're working really hard. I love them. It, it wasn't their fault. What happened? I, oh. Sometimes they don't do a good job and they lose their job. That's F you. Oh, that's I wanted to choke. Sometimes they don't do it. I hate his stupid everything. I hate him from the, from the cells in his DNA out to the air that he breathes. I hate him. Of course I do. And all of his spawns that run around Earth like the alien, the bitch from Alien dropped a bunch of eggs everywhere and they're running hither and yon causing chaos. Killing things, sucking on things, t sucking the life out of things, murdering beautiful things. He's a disgusting... He's, a gr he's disgusting, yes. Andrew on the chat. He's a maggot. Of course, yes, he's a maggot. I mean, to call him a maggot is to disrespect maggots. Because as much as disgusting as maggots are, they serve a purpose in the in the chain of of things. They who's go who gets who has to dis who has to break down decaying things. The cycle of life. What is a what is the what does a Trump do? Nothing. They are takers. First of all, I love them. Sometimes you don't, it's not their fault. We're doing, first, he has to say, we're doing a great job and it's not their fault. Sometimes you do a bad job. You gotta do, I hate him. You gotta do a bad, his, his inflections. You do, you do a good job. Sometimes you could do a bad job. You do. What happened? Sometimes they don't do a good job and they, they don't lose do. their job. That's one thing. This is shut your effing mouth. Don't do a good job. Was it a good? Did you do a good job? Making fake inflated invoices to steal from your daddy's company tax free? I guess that was a good job. Because look at you now, you con man. You don't do a good job. Yeah, that's the only reason the American people lose their jobs, right? Because they don't do a good job. No, it has nothing to do with the, the lampreys, the parasites sitting and sucking on our body politic, sending their jobs to low-wage, wage-slave nations. That has nothing to do. It's just because they're doing a bad job. Sometimes you don't do a good job. You don't do, and then you got to do. Oh, you fuck. One of these days, I'm going to be happy. One day. I will be excited. 
when I get the good news, and you know what that good news is. Case where we take the strongest economy in the history of the world, which is what we had. More people Keep working it. in the United States, Peter, than ever before. Working for what? Not able to retire? The greatest economy? Where one-third can't retire? The majority lives paycheck to paycheck? And can't handle a $400 emergency? Great, great, greatest in the history of the world, of Earth, the universe, since the Big Bang. Ugh. Almost, I mean, look at the numbers, 160 million people, almost. Just yeah, short we're of looking at the numbers. Excuse me. So we have the greatest economy we've ever had. And by uh, the way, that's the uh, other thing I hate about him. When he, he gets all breathy. Uh, the greatest economy we ever had. And do... You know, sometimes you don't do a good job. The greatest economy Unemployment, Hispanic unemployment, Asian unemployment. Like the best shit. numbers we've ever had ever. in virtually every Just keep repeating way. it. And keep then you get repeating it. Because maybe it'll be true. It's all a matter of perspective. Like this. And yeah. it's traumatic. People that had great jobs, that went oh, out to so dinner and they great. didn't have any problems, they take their family, they were making good salaries. All of a sudden, oh. you know, you use the term cold turkey. It's cold turkey. They go from that to having cold no turkey. Money and you, you know, you use the, Lord, checks, the term cold turkey. It's rapidly. cold turkey. That's what he said about the virus, too. He said, the thing about the virus, it's, it's so contagious. It's so contagious. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Dr. Trump. They still, they have to go out and look for money. They got to look it's for a money. Terrible. How the, where are they looking? They got any money under here? Any money? Got any money over here? Under, maybe under here? Any under here? Oh, maybe I should have been born with a trust fund that I could siphon tax-free by making fake inflated invoices in a fake company like he did. Like our great American president did. So-called president. Oh, such a good, greatest, greatest economy that ever lived. Sort of like me. I'm the greatest person who ever lived. The greatest businessman. All I say is we love him. We love him. We're em. working so hard. And we love him. We're working so hard that we did nothing. When the virus came, we, they're so hard that there's, they're working so hard, there's effing mass graves being dug right here in New York now. So hard, they working so hard making those mass graves. Be back. And I hope they're going to be back even stronger than before. So strong. Powerful, stronger. So strong and powerful. The biggest, biggest, strongest and powerfulest strong and strength and power than anyone has ever seen. No one's ever seen such strength and power and, and so much strong. Unreal. Here's another thing. How are we going to know when to open the country? Why? This is the other thing. Let's remember, everyone, why the F... Are we even asking these questions? Why is there anyone in there? 
in the White House press corps. Why? We're cutting now to the so-called president right now, uh, giving the briefing. Why are you doing it, corporate media? Why? Okay, we know. Because they're in on it. May not He may not be good for CBS. I mean, for America, but he's good for CBS. They don't care. They're part of the problem. The American people that can't handle a $400 emergency? Oh, well. The greatest economy. They'll re- repeat it again and again and again. What a great economy it is. A lot of interest in how you're going to make that decision. What? Yeah. What? It's a very big decision. What? I don't know that I've had a bigger decision than that. When you think, right? I, would think. Think. I mean, think of that decision. Somebody said it's totally up to the president. I saw this morning. It's totally up, and it is. I don't know that I've had a bigger decision. But I'm going to surround myself with the greatest minds, uh, not only the greatest minds, but the greatest minds in numerous different businesses, including the business of politics and reason. And we're going to make a decision, and hopefully it's going to be the right decision. I will say this. uh, I want to get it open as soon as we can. We have to get our country open, Jeff. Say, sir, what metrics you will use to make that decision? Uh, The metrics right here. That's my metrics. That's all I can do. I can listen to... As he points to people. his head. At the end, I've got to make day. a decision. And I didn't think of it until yesterday. I said, you know, this is a big decision. But I want to be guided. I'm going to be guided by them. I'm going to be guided by our vice president. I'm going to make a decision based on a lot of different opinions. Some will maybe disagree, and some I'd love to see it where they don't disagree. Will there be risks? There's always going to be a risk that something can flare up. There's always flare up, like herpes, right? uh, Look at what's happening where countries are trying to get open and there's a flare up and they'll go. But I'd like the flare up to be very localized so that we can control it from a local standpoint without having to close. You disgusting waste of human DNA. Shut your orange lie hole. Thank you, corporate media. You know what I would like to see? It's not even the corporate media. Why they sit there. Why they all got to sit there and let the cameras roll on a con man. One day that the American people turn that shit off for good. They don't watch it. They're watching this. They're watching the liberal media. Then we'll know we're on the right track. These filthy, disgusting Republicans... Unbelievable. Well, guys, I think I have to stop the show. And one last thing that was trending I saw earlier today, there was um, the the filthy, disgusting Republicans are (laughs) were they're upset. You know, they want to open up America, and. I somebody you know what happened some because of what I do this this job here I you know conservatives are they try they're trolls right so they sign me up for conservative magazines and think well just emails so somebody signed me up for this conservative magazine it's an email magazine that comes every day and I I didn't take myself off the list because I figured hey it's good to see it's so stupid. See what they what they're saying, but someone sent in this magazine. There was an article about how 
the uh, how the Republicans are many. They're all coming on board. Many conservatives, quote unquote, they call themselves conservatives, are all adopting. They're they're coming on board with their um, resistance against the shutdown. So they're these are people that are tired. They're tired of the shutdown. They think it's a hoax. They want to get back to work quick enough. And I'm like, I don't understand. I was reading this article and they're like, many other people are jumping on board with this. They're, they're turning their backs on the alarmist, on the corporate meet, on the liberal media. And uh, I'm just like, go, what, what is stopping you? I don't understand. Go. Get together with your friends. Discuss how much you don't buy the hype. Drink some liberal tears. Get together and touch each other's faces. I don't get it. All right, guys. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you so much for hanging out on our weekly Tara Buster, our regularly scheduled Tara Buster. I want to thanks, uh, thank you all for all your super chats. And I want to thank Shannon for her super chat. I missed when it first came in, and I want to thank you again for not only being a super chatter, but being a patron as well. Many of the super chatters are also patrons, and you guys are doing above and beyond the call of duty, really. I appreciate it. I can't even say it's not just appreciate it. It enables us to continue doing this show. There's no two ways about it. That's the way it is. If we don't have patrons and we don't have supporters it's done the liberal media is dead so if you believe in what we're doing and you know that one of the ways that we will take this country back is by promoting the fdr democratic party ideals that built the middle class to begin with then please become a patron at patreon.com slash tara devlin and see you on uh, on the chat and come join us on the chat at the YouTube channel, which is at YouTube slash C for channel slash RDT Daily Media, or you could probably just Google it and it would come up. I want to thank you all for hanging out. We also have a Discord page, and I'll put that in the links. So, in the meantime, everyone, do not touch your faces. Somebody else gave a super chat now that I'm looking. Richard, thank you. You guys, amazing. Thank you, number one fan. <laughs> that means a lot. I got fans who are number ones fans. That's pretty kind of cool. I know that we won't get this country back without a liberal media, so I thank you. We're in this together. I'll do what I can, and I appreciate that you're, you're meeting this halfway you know what i mean it's true that's it we're in it together as i always say we stick together we win and we will win because we are on the right side of history and we are on the right side of humanity my name is tara devlin i hope to see you in the next couple of days we're gonna do another Tara Buster during the week. I'm not sure. Will it be Tuesday? Will it be Wednesday? It depends. In the meantime, p 
please uh, listen to Bob Kincaid on Monday. I'm going to be on the show and also on Leslie Marshall's show during the day at, uh, on Progressive Voices. So that'll be at about 3.30 if you are available. Like I say, my name is Tara Devlin. We stick together. We win. I will see you very soon.